everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Holly. I'm London. And it is book club week, or day, or month, or, you know, some, some period of time. But we're doing a book club episode. <laughs> so the, the good news is, Liz, um, with our book club, we, we did it. We did. We, we popped our coho cherry. Yeah. We are no longer coho virgins. Nope. We read and survived Verity by Colleen Hoover. So it is, it's definitely going to be an interesting conversation because before we start recording, um, we both have from some very, very strong opinions uh, uh, about this book. So, yeah, the, the process was, it was tough. It was painful. It was bloody, but we popped it. It's we're a- on the other side of it now, and you know <laughs> we survived. <laughs> we did. <laughs> um, okay, so um, obviously we're gonna have a lot to say when we get there. So uh, we'll just cover kind of a couple quick things. Um, first, some really, really, really exciting news came out as far as an upcoming book. I mean, granted, we do have to wait about a year for it, but we know that we are huge fans of the house on the cerulean sea it was our favorite book of 2021 it was so good i like i still think about it um you haven't read many of his other ones have you yet you read um, the whispering door didn't you yes so those are the only two i've I've read um there you have to read wolf some you have to read wolf some okay and the second series is out my my (laughs) never-ending tbr but I will be adding this book to my list because in fall of 2024, he has just announced, and of course we're talking about T.J. Klune, uh, he just announced his sequel to The House on the Cerulean Sea. Because I think that was like the first thing we said when we finished the book is like, oh my God, I need another book. Yeah. Um, and needed a sequel just because we can't get enough of those characters. Oh they were God. amazing and cozy and we get another another mug of hot chocolate (laughs) exactly (laughs) and yeah so the announcement came with the book cover release so the cover's done it's ready to go and so so the title is somewhere beyond the sea which is i think a cool title to connect to the original but oh my god i cannot wait i'm so excited to see how these kids are doing and yeah it's It's gonna be amazing it's gonna be so good so, yep. All right. What else? Well, we've had quite a, a busy kind of month. I, I didn't really know about much of this until I started looking. Um, but let's start with the thing that we do every single year uh, without fail. And that is the Booker Prize shortlist, which was announced on the 21st of September. Of course, winners will be announced on 26th of November. So you'll hear about that in our December show. But uh, we always try and predict the winner of the of this prize. So, Holly. Okay. So, what is your prediction? Which one do you think is going to win the Booker Prize of 2023? So first, there are six books on the shortlist. This is why we don't talk about the long list. We wait until we get to the shortlist. Um, yeah, the longest is about 12 books yeah. or something. And we don't want to be wrong <laughs> twice. If we're going to be wrong, I'd rather right. only be wrong once. Um, so there are six books, and they are The Beasting by Paul Murray, 
Western Lane by uh, Shita Moreo, um, Prophet Song by Paul Lynch, This Other Eden by Paul Harding, If You Survive by Jonathan Escoffrey. I, I'm horrible with names, so I apologize. <laughs> uh, and, and finally, The Study of Obedience by Sarah Bernstein. So, my prediction, and I'm going to write it down, is going to be The Prophet Song by Paul Lynch. Ooh. I'm glad you didn't say the same one as me. <laughs> I didn't want to change it. Um, my guess is going to be This Other Eden. I feel like it's kind of got some good themes going there for what's been going on this year. So I think I think that's got a good chance. Plus it's kind of a cool cover with an apple. Prophet Song's a pretty funky cover. I like yeah, that. The Prophet Song has more of like an abstract black and white yeah. with a pop of orange in Very it. Picasso-esque. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I did I did for a second think about picking the bee sting. Um, simply because I think it's a cool title. Um, I think we were yeah, both. Yeah, I feel on... like that might be a little bit too casual for the for the winner because yeah. usually it's a very serious book. Like it's a. I mean, all of these are pretty serious. That's why we've never actually heard about them until now. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little bit above our, our kind of. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we're a little bit, you know, lower, a little bit. Um, yeah, we're not sophisticated like readers, <laughs> and they're like, like historic and themes, and you know, like intellectual stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've got to admit, this year the covers aren't as creative as they were last year. Because after all, after all, last year's we had obviously the moons one, which was really quite a, a mm-hmm. pretty awesome cover, and then we had the one that I guessed, which was Glory, uh, which had goats on it. So yeah. it was creative. And I mean, this year we've got a dead bird. We've got an apple. We've got a, what looks like kind of like a spiral of powder on a rainbow background. Mm-hmm. We've got obviously the prophet song, which we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Beasting is kind of, it reminds me of, there is another one that looks very similar. I'm trying to think what it is. I think it might've been actually another one called like the beehive or something. Um, and then we've got one of two people like curled in the fetal position in a, a pit. Almost like a yin like and a, yang kind of opposite. Yeah. Which is, yeah. that was kind of, that was cre- kind of creative. But yeah, no, we, they're not as creative as last year. But we shall see what comes out of them and what and which one is the winner in yeah. December. And it is interesting because they, they all focus on, you know, very interesting and powerful themes um, oh, yeah. and topics, which obviously is why they're they're even considered for this this award is because they're poignant and they're meaningful and um, you know they yeah. kind of challenge maybe some status quo elements and and everything and um, so yeah so it it'll be exciting to see come the end of November uh, what that what the result is so. Definitely, it's usually like um, it's usually identifying like different areas of society and prejudice and morals and yeah, things that that don't tend to be in our books. <laughs> exactly. So... Or at least they are on a very small, <laughs> small scale, not a, a main theme. Right, and like you know, and I, 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 I appreciate those books, and I appreciate the authors who who do their research and dig into it and become part of part of their topic I just it's it 
I don't know. It's so much. Like, that's why I don't read a lot of nonfiction. I don't read a lot of those kind of books because it's just like, I see so much in the world that it's, Mm -hmm. it can be almost a, a little bit oppressive to continually live in that world when I read as well. I think you've got to be for these for the books that are always on this list. You've got to be in a certain mood. You've got to be in a certain kind of mindset because they are slow and they are quite methodical. Um, and you've got to be in the right kind of intellectual um, mind space to read them. Because I've read, I think I have read a, a few of the previous ones. Because I'm sure that, um, for example, the Goldfinch. I'm sure that was either shortlisted or won it or something. Mm. Um, but I don't think I could read like loads of them in a month. <laughs> I couldn't do like I do with fantasy or horror. So yeah, yeah no, who are, for people who do that, like kudos to you. But yeah, that's, that's not for me. Not for me. <laughs> All right. So we'll keep our eye on the Booker Prize and, and, and see what um, gets that, that big award. Um, the last big topic that's really becoming and we're hearing it everywhere it's it's we're seeing it in how it's impacting education we're seeing it how it's just impacting the workplace so it's natural that ai is going to begin to impact the book world um so liz you kind of found this one thing where ai is being used in iowa to identify books to ban from school libraries, which is fascinating, especially time and, and timely, because in the United States we are in the midst of banned book month, and we just celebrated and had our um, first week of October was our banned book kind of awareness week, and yeah. um, through the ALA, the ALA, which is the American Library Association, and they they're the ones who they kind of collect and analyze all the statistics of the banned books and the challenged books and um, all the ones that get, you know, reports uh, about them. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to go back and look at the data they collect. Uh, and then they put together, you know, the top 10 books each year of, you know, these are the most banned and challenged books. And it's just, it's crazy sometimes to see what books it's, are on there. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, this one, actually, it's, it is an old article, but with, kind of with all the AI conversations that have been going on in the news recently, I thought it'd be a really good example of just how mad some parts of America are getting. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, this one was actually um, just before the school year started because they used ChatGPT, our favourite AI tool, um, to pull off off books from school libraries. And, I mean, things like The Handmaid's Tale, Toni Morrison's Beloved, um, there's a list of like the top 19 of kind of the most popular books that were removed um, pending further review. And some of them, it's like Looking for Alaska um, by John Green. That was removed, which is crazy. And um, also one thing that annoys me is that in the list they put a Court of Mist and Fury series. No, a Court of Thorns and Razors series. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like some of the... Some of the some of the books that were removed, um, like 19 Minutes by J.D. Pickholt, ones that you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, they've got really adult kind of adult themes, um, were removed and just, yeah, it's, and the fact they used AI to do this is, it is pretty crazy. It is, it'd be interesting to see if this continues 
And obviously with our, all the sort of court cases that's been going on right now um, with the book banning and the issue with the writers, um, which I think we're just about to talk about as well, it will be interesting to see how how much influence AI is going to have on these topics in the future. Yeah, and it's interesting because, um, you know, these these 19 books that were banned um, from a high school are all it was all re- the depictions of sex is basically what they yeah. what they looked for um and it's it's funny because i work in a high school and <laughs> these are books that we have on our bookshelves in our school library yeah. like um and it's just like yeah gossip girl and some of them, yeah. and Friday Night Lights, like that is such a great story, and um, they made it into a movie several okay. years ago. But it's just, I'm but then you also see like the absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian. That's on the most challenged and banned book list every every year. It's really, yeah, it's always on the list. Um, and I bet Maya Angelou, Angelou is always on the list. Yep, because... Beloved tends to always be on the list. Yeah. The Kite Runner you see frequently. Ellen Hopkins books you tend to see, like Crank and um, some of the other ones tend to be on that. Ones. Yeah. Um, I wasn't Feed. Isn't that that zombie one? I'm sure you – didn't you read it or mention it? Feed? I don't think Feed is zombie. I think Feed is where um, – it's like a – like a technology type of thing, like the like the the kids' oh, brain, like okay. there's information that's fed into people's heads, and like almost like a. I've never read it, but I I am thinking like the I, cover. I must be thinking about. I must be thinking about a different one that's got a similar name. Yeah, I think, and I could be completely wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so and it's interesting, you know, you you see the AI is now being used to do this, um, and then to kind of go along with that, you also have where. You know, there was an article that AI is now kind of impacting um, books being sold on Amazon, that people are kind of like using AI to rip off other authors' work to create new work and selling it on Amazon. So, like, I love the concept of AI, and I... It's like anything else, though. When used for good, I think it's great, but there's so much potential for AI to be used for nefarious reasons. Yeah. Um, No, I completely agree. And I mean, obviously, one thing we were talking about before was um, that there was also a lot of of news recently saying that a lot of our authors that we like, such as like Margaret Atwood, have been used to train AI. Um, so their books have been put into into these AI tools and are being used to train without their permission. So it's almost like, well, what's the point of having book rights if they're just going to use them for whatever purpose? And of course, then you get to the whole point of if you tell AI to write a whole book or in the style of Stephen King or or a different author, <clears throat> should Stephen King get royalties for that book? Because it's using his his tone of voice and his style. Um, but it's really interesting. I, this is a kind of a one that I've been following for a little while, and it's been part of, obviously, the, the writer's strike over in Hollywood. And I just find it fascinating that how we would even monitor that kind of thing, because it's such a widespread thing. Think about the millions of people who use 
ChatGPT every day. I mean, I use it. I use it in, in my work. Um, so to be able to monitor that, that would be very, very difficult. And it would mean you'd have to literally read every single person's request or somehow have some kind of filtering method. But then it's a case of at what point do you need to give royalties? Uh -huh. um, does it need to be in their style completely or does it just have to mention their name? It's, it is pretty fascinating. It's definitely it's something that's going to be kind of in the news for basically a long time now. Like it's going to be there for a long time. And I think AI is still like so new and yeah. every day it seems like we find new ways that we can use it and modify it and adjust it and manipulate it. And I just don't think that there's, it's like anything as as we see more and more of what we can do with it, I think there's going to be more and more, like, not restrictions, but I think, like like you're saying, um, kind of like the regulations on the back end of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, if we're able to go in and use AI to write in the style of Stephen King or Colleen Hoover or whoever, like, is that then going to change how our copyright laws are written? Exactly, yeah. um, so instead of like, because there's not going to, I don't know how much control we're going to be able to put into the AI system. So how are the current like laws and practices going to have to adjust to protect people when it comes to AI? Um, yeah. So I, that that's something that I'm going to be fascinated to see as it evolves, because... <clears throat> Like there's nothing stopping any of us from going in and typing anything into chat GPT and getting oh, yeah. stuff and doing something with it. But if there's laws on the other side of it that if I get caught and, you know, then I'm a vi I'm violating copyright laws. So I think there's going to, yeah, it's, it's just going to, the evolution of it has just been fascinating. And I think it's definitely going to need to be regulated because, mm -hmm. as you say, if we're going to have issues with breaking copyright. And people may not even be aware that they're doing it, which is even worse. So, yeah, I think it's definitely going to have to be kind of some kind of regulation or regulated, um, I guess, algorithm for the tools. But AI is, is kind of, right now it's a really useful tool, but I think it could become something pretty dangerous. <laughs> I mean, so, it is now up to date. It's now not too. We've we heard recently that ChatGPT is now up to date. It's not two years old. Um, like they had two years old information. Now it, they've had all the information, huh. and it just makes you think. Hmm. Okay, so it's been connected to the internet completely. Um, it's so it's a uh, machine learning. It. I just feel like AI. About, uh, Terminator. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I feel like AI is going to be the topic of a lot of new sci-fi horror thriller books coming up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know we're gonna you know we're starting to see some of those pandemic topic books coming out. I think we're gonna start seeing this destruction of society by AI, um, dystopic society type sci-fi books uh, because. It's scary what it can do, um, you know. It's. I mean, yeah, as you say, just look at films like iRobot and Terminator. And although, yes, back then, AI didn't even really exist. But now that it does, you can obviously, okay, yeah, I mean, that could potentially happen um, because of the fact that we have all these really clever technologies where they are constantly learning without human input. Right. The whole point of machine learning is that it constantly learns about us, about user behavior. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, at what point does it realise that the user isn't particularly always right? yeah i'd love to know the percentage of the accuracy and that's the thing it's like you know you can't believe everything you read on the internet because a lot of it is just people writing and it's their thoughts and their opinions and their ideas and and they're not always factually grounded so it's it is interesting to see and that's why like when you're using AI, i know you said that you use it for work it's it sometimes takes a lot of revisions of how you're wording things to get exactly what you want because it's a computer trying to like process yeah and it's (laughs) yeah it's just weird it's scary and creepy which is perfect segue into books that we've been reading our creepy scary season books it's october it's halloween spooky season um I know I I took some time off over our fall break and I have read more books than I normally do in a month and they've all been kind of creepy scary spooky books. Nothing I'm not nothing really scares me. Um but uh but I've enjoyed them. Like the one I'm reading right now, I'm reading The Troop by Nick Cutter. It's not mm. scary, but it's definitely kind of like ew. Like that's that's kind of weird that's kind of creepy that's kind of gross um but so i like that piece of it so what you say that's the kind of creepiest book you've read this month um what have i been read creepiest book i've read (sighs) or like the most kind of makes you uncomfortable kind of thing makes me uncomfortable yes um yeah probably because the other kind of like spooky stories i've read i read the september house by carissa orlando that's a newer that that book came out this year um okay yeah it was funny because initially it gave me vibes of just like home our book club book from last year um but a little (laughs) bit different like that like just like home the the house itself was an entity and a character. Okay. The September house, it's the house itself isn't a character, but it's the house is possessed basically. Okay. With, so, so that was, I really, really, really liked that one. Um, and then I just finished the grand hotel by Scott uh, Kenimore. I loved it. I just, I picked it up as a free audible audio book and yeah, it, it was really, really cool, and it really, it's like about ten, what feels like ten little short stories as this this hotel desk clerk takes people on a tour of this grand hotel, and they stop, and they talk to some of the permanent residents, and they each tell their story, and there's like yeah. a, a like a paranormal aspect to every single one of the, the, the stories, and then at the very end during the last story it all kind of gets tied together um it was a really fun read i i really enjoyed the 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 crazy diverse pieces of the story yeah so what have you been reading uh yeah so i've been kind of sticking with the kind of horror thriller books um to be honest the last few months but especially this month um i think the creepiest book of this month that i've read that's kind of was actually quite discomforting at times was Gerald's Game by Stephen King 
Um, so I read this as part of a buddy read, and yeah, it, it's it's pretty messed up at times. It is pretty messed up. Well, it's because it's um, Stephen I mean, King. <laughs> this one, I think it's gotta ha- it's gotta be um, one of the ones that has is just it, it tiptoed on the line. You know, with with that scene from it, this one kind of was the same level. It was that kind of. It was a child. And it was a father, and it was stuff that is illegal. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was a scene about like that was a scene in it, and it was just like, oh, that's just not right. <laughs> um... I would never ever want to write that ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, obviously, the main—if you don't know—the main story of of Gerald's game is that. Um, Husband and wife go away uh, for a for a, a few nights to their their cabin or their lake house kind of style um, house for for a dirty weekend, and uh, so the guy is an attorney and he's very into uh, handcuffs, and so he handcuffs the woman to the bed. Uh, she suddenly realizes that she doesn't want to do this anymore, and he doesn't get that doesn't get the idea that she wants to stop. He kicks her off the bed. He so she kicks him to try and stop him from doing anything. He has a heart attack and he dies, leaving her tied, um, handcuffed to the bed <laughs> in the middle of nowhere with the keys far away from her. So um, yeah, it's and it's all about kind of obviously her mentality because it's all about she hears all these different voices. Um, and she has to escape somehow um and i think it's, it's all kind of the difference between reality and kind of her imagination but it's pretty dark it is it's it's pretty dark book but that's one scene just it that was a little bit too much um for me but it was a good book it was better than some of the other ones i've read um i mean Dreamcatcher, i would not recommend because that was just terrible <laughs> um but yeah, other than that, I mean, I've read Belladonna, which was really good. Um, that was a really good kind of creepy, spooky. Um, she sees death everywhere she goes, because, but she can't die. Mm. And she learns his powers and stuff. That was really good. And that's actually got a sequel. Um, and of course, uh, just today, this morning, I started Hidden Pictures, which I am very excited to read, finally. I am um, finally. <laughs> it's only been like, what, a year and a half? I know. <laughs> um, but I managed to, yeah, I finally picked it up from my bookshop um, in my town because it's not the easiest thing to get. Over on Amazon, it was quoting me like three weeks. So I was like, I don't want to wait that long. Oh, so wow. luckily I managed to find it finally at my local bookshop. Um, so, yeah, I made a start on that this morning. I read like a few chapters and that one is hopefully, that will probably be my last one of October, depending on how quickly I, re- I read. All there's 10 days left, so you never know. And it's it's an easy it's a it's an easy quick read. I think I think you'll you'll finish it in plenty of I can time. See, I feel like it's a, yeah. like a quite easy read. I've read three chapters already, and it's the sort of thing that is hard to put down. Yeah, and especially when you have it mixed, like all the pictures mixed in, makes it feel like it goes even quicker than it does. Um, and it's funny because you're talking about like all the, the the creepy reads and the scary reads, and 
like nothing has creeped me out like last year i read we read stolen tongues and oh that yeah. that there are moments that of that that, that kind of creeps yeah. me out because of that paranormal piece of it and paranormal is really the only thing that will ever kind of give me the creeps nothing else really scares me um but what was fascinating about the september house is yeah it's like a like a horror book about like you know just there's like you know ghosts and it's being like you know the house is like being is haunted and and there's like death and all this stuff but how it's written it's written almost in a satirical fashion where it's like a horror book but it's just there's like this underlining sarcastic satirical approach to it that actually there's funny moments in it and how like the main character mm-hmm. Margaret responds to you know what's happening is is in many ways comical um and she fascinated me <laughs> and here like she this is the like as an adult as an older adult she has a grown child this is her first home she's ever like owned and so it's like her house and she's like I don't care who's possessing this house or what they're doing or the <laughs> fact that my walls bleed blood for the entire month of September and I can't sleep because they're screaming and shrieking and noises and, you know, and there's like these random dead people that show up. This is my house and I'm not leaving. Yeah. And it's just like, and then her, just like her thought process and then you know, her husband goes missing and so her grown child who has her own issues is like, I'm coming home and and Margaret's like, oh, no, you can't come to the house and because it's possessed. And it's just, like, it's the dynamic of, like, Margaret yeah. then trying to, like, keep her daughter from seeing these dead people and from experiencing the horrors of this house. It's, okay. it was hilarious. Like, it wasn't, I, I didn't find it scary. Um, there yeah. were moments where I'm like, ooh, uh, kind of gross or kind of creepy or whatever, but... <laughs> I just yeah. enjoy. It was just a fun, good, oh, great October book, but it was yeah. it was a completely different feeling. Like the mood and the tone just completely was different than what you would see in like a Gerald's Game or Stolen yeah. Tongues or even Hidden Pictures. Okay. Um, like I don't think it was necessarily meant to be scary. Yeah, it was just kind of like a fun twist on a traditional kind of horror story, but it was really cool. Okay, I forgot. There's a, is also um, I did read a new one that came out this year, and I got it on NetGalley, um, which is All Hallows. Mm, I've seen that. Um, yeah, so I almost finished it. I think I'm about eighty percent of the way through, but that one it was a bit hard to get through at the beginning. It's a bit slow, but it does pick up, and that one's that was quite an interesting read. Because that one is kind of like, it feels a bit like kind of a boogeyman. Mm. So yeah, no, that one's a really that one's um, been a pretty a pretty spooky read. But yeah, I agree. Um, Stolen tongue so far has been kind of the creepiest. But the most uncomfortable book award has to go to Last House on Needless Street. Oh, I have never felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> And so, like, <laughs> and that is still probably the one book that I haven't found another book since reading Last House on Needless Street that left me with my jaw on the ground. Yeah. And where I actually, when I was done, I went and I got onto Google and I started like <laughs> researching. Like, yeah. it's 
yeah like that's the one that i when i was reading it i was, i felt so on edge and so like oh so uncomfortable and... so uncomfortable i've never felt like that before with like reading any books so yeah now, that one definitely made me uncomfortable stolen yeah. tongues definitely creeped me out yeah um and, and and still i will say to this day that the biggest thing that creeped me out about stolen tongues was carrot the parrot because like if something's gonna <laughs> scare me it, well well, the, well it's because of what the parrot said because paranormal things that's the only thing that kind of like creep me out because of like just the you know the the um the unknown about what it, when it comes to the paranormal what they can and can't yeah. do and and how they're gonna hurt you and just for the the parrot just squawking being like it, he's outside the door he's outside the door and I'm like oh don't go through the door uh, so the warning you. I know and it's just like but the parrot knew because it's like you know that sixth sense of animals and knowing like the, the yeah. and it's just like but I mean that whole it wouldn't be as creepy if it wasn't the like the entities that you know you see this the the footprints like in the snow, in the snow. see yeah. the shadows and you see like there's just ah, oh, there's... for me it was the dream catchers as well yes that was just like oh no and, and then as you get closer to the end and you see like the little number five written in like the the fog oh. of a window and it's just <laughs> like okay this is the kind of creepy stuff I like because it's it's, yeah. it's creepy and there's no answer and there's no reason behind why it's happening and it's not you're not able to explain it and it's like what's happening and it was good it was very good yeah so still probably that and the taking by <laughs> Dean Koontz so Stolen Tongues and the Taking are probably the two books I read in my life I haven't read that one so that one. <laughs> That was probably one of the first audiobooks I read, like, years ago. Probably, like, um, <clears throat> it was probably right around the time my son was born. So you're talking about, like, 17, 18 years ago uh, that I listened to it. And I listened to audiobooks because my commute at the time, I was living in Connecticut. And yeah. my commute to, to school and back, depending on traffic, could be up to two hours. And so I would listen to audiobooks. <laughs> I remember coming home. I had a I had a night class, so I was coming home from the night class. So it was dark, and it was like in the winter, so it was snowy, and I was listening to the Taken or the take the Taken the Taken, whatever by Dean Koontz, and I had to literally turn it off. Like I, it nice. yes, and that says a lot because I'm not someone who yeah. I, I don't get scared easy. But I literally had to turn it off and turn on, like, the pop station and blare the music so I could, like, dance yeah. because it was – I was so scared. <laughs> so To be fair, he does – he writes really good spooky stuff. Like, I read last year The Eyes of Darkness mm -hmm. by Dean Koontz where they pretty much um, predict COVID because <laughs> that's what it's called COB, like, 20-something. Yep. Um that was pretty creepy but yeah that was quite quite disturbing and i also read uh had the first frankenstein book in his series um but yeah, he is definitely he's definitely somebody i want to read more of, and i will definitely look up that book yeah <laughs> it was really it was it was really creepy. i i it's i kind of want to like do the audiobook again um because i don't remember <laughs> like i remember like the opening scene because it like that's how much it stayed with me 
but I don't really remember anything else about the book. Like, I don't remember where the plot went, what happened. Like, I don't remember. So I kind of, like, think I'm going to, like, redo the audiobook to see if, you know, do I still find it as scary as I did 18 years ago now? So, but yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a quick gander at our top five. Um, We mentioned this before we started recording. The Colleen Hoover is nowhere on any of the lists right now. She is nowhere to be seen. But to her credit, she doesn't have any new books out right now. She doesn't have any, like, TV or movie things out connected to her books. Um, And it's spooky season. And, I mean, she has got the odd thriller book, but she doesn't really do horror, so. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, because Verity's not horror. It's just. It's thriller. Sure. Okay. (laughs) I didn't find it thrilling, but okay. Now, there was one scene. There was one scene, and we'll talk about it later. But there was one scene that I'm like, creepy. Um, Okay. (laughs) So, our our current New York Times bestseller list. Number one is Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yay. Yaros. Yay! She has she's been in the top five. She hasn't dropped out yet since the book came out, but she has not remained in well, number one. So I believe like last week she was three. So she's been she's been hovering between like two and four, um, but she's back at number one. Uh, but what has recently re-entered the top five is Lessons in Chemistry because it was just it just released on Apple TV. The, the the TV app. Oh, is it out now? It's out. Oh, it's, awesome. I, I believe it's out now. Um, yeah, so on Apple TV, you can see Lessons in Chemistry, and that has nice. pushed it back into the top five at number four. And then we kind of also... So are you going to watch that about March, April time, yeah? I don't have Apple TV, so I have to wait until I get <laughs> I Apple TV. I found, I found a three-month trial um, the other day, so I've now got Apple TV. Maybe I'll do that. Um, but no, Lessons in Chemistry, I actually really want to watch. Um, yeah. Like, I I really, really loved that book. So, um, but then the young adult hardcover, which we kind of mentioned, is Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. That, that one has actually, it's been on the list for a total of 17 weeks since when it was released. It, it has been number one quite a lot. Like, it's, yeah. every now and then it'll dip down to, like, two or three, but... I'm kind of intrigued. It does look now. pretty good, to be fair. It and does. also, it is which it is kind of it's magical, kind of not witchy vibes, but it is kind of a good Halloween one. So I'm not surprised it's number one this week. Yeah. So. And I mean, if you even if you look at like the top, in fact, most of them are very Halloweeny vibes. Like you've got Night of the Witch at number three for young adults, and um, you've got a, like a ritual magic one, Curious Tides at number two. So, yeah, they. Young adults is where it's at. (laughs) And even number four, A Study in Drowning, which came out about a month ago now, um, is kind of a a creepy Halloween, good season book to read too. So, yeah. um, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'm pretty sure this time last year, number one was um, Pumpkin King, wasn't it? I believe. Yeah, yeah, and it was number one for like forever. Yeah. It was a long time. So, yeah, I wonder if we, when we're going to hear next from Coho. Because, I mean, she had been chucking out those books regularly, and now suddenly we've come to a, a kind of a stalemate. So it'd be interesting to see what she's got up her sleeve. I know. What are some books so, that are coming out, though? 
Oh, we have got a great month. November is a very good month for book releases. Uh, we shall start from from the bottom because we <laughs> want to leave the best to last. Uh, so we've got Check and Mate by Ali Hazelwood, um, who also wrote The Love Hypothesis, which Holly is still yet to read and has to read. <laughs> um, that I'll comes out there. on the 7th of November, both in the UK and the US. Then we've got the sequel to uh, Legends and Lasses, which is books and... Um, Oh, sorry, it's Bookshops and Bone Dust. I mis- mistyped that um, by Travis Baldry. And that comes out in the US on the 7th of November and in the UK on the 9th of November. And then the one that we are all absolutely like chomping at the bit for, very excited for, it is Iron Flame. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> by Rebecca Yaris, which is, of course, the sequel to uh, Force Wing, which is why Force Wing's number one right now. And that comes out on the 7th of November, both in the UK and the US. So we are about two and a half weeks out from the release dates. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, very, very exciting times. We've got some some absolute kind of brilliant releases in November to look forward to. Oh, I cannot wait for Iron Flame. <gasps> so excited. Oh, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that kind of wraps up everything for the moment. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will be joined by Steph and Jen, and we will begin our booked up club discussion and analysis and tearing apart of Colleen Hoover's Verity. Um, Be (laughs) warned, we are going to spoil every single aspect of that book um, because... I gotta get it's the only way to properly talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get my feelings out. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, and I'm sure we all have some very strong feelings about about it because I think that's how you're supposed to feel at the end of that book. Um, so just just know if you haven't finished the book, you haven't read the book, stop here, go read it, and then come back and listen and see if you agree with any of the four of us who knows maybe we all have the same opinion but we're about to find out so we're going to take a short break short break and we'll be right back And welcome back. We're so excited to be joined by our good friends Jen and Steph. Hey ladies. Hi. So, like true to ourselves, um, Steph again hasn't gotten a lot of sleep. Um, she, but this time it's not because she stayed up all night reading the book. Uh, you just got back in town from a conference. Yep. Okay. Yeah, just got done uh, traveling for fourteen hours, so it's going to be a caffeinated kind of day. <laughs> And Jen, unfortunately, you're feeling a little under the weather right now. Yeah, I'm sick. Oh, well, I <laughs> drink lots of water, lots of warm tea. Um, maybe feeling yeah. sick will, um, you know, impact your, your overall opinions of the book. Maybe you'll be, I don't, I haven't heard your opinions of the book yet, so we'll, we'll see how you're, you're not feeling great impacts your patience. Don't let it fill your fire. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think we'll quote Holly's fire. (laughs) Yep. I'm ready, guys. I'm ready. I will have something to say about everything you guys say, unless we all agree on it. Um, And then I'll be like, I agree. 
Um, okay, so we all read Verity by Colleen Hoover. Jen and Steph, you guys had already previously read it, but did a reread of it so that it would be all fresh in your mind. Liz and I, as we discussed at the beginning of the show, we popped our coho cherry and yep. read our first book. We made it through it. We yep. all just talked before we started recording that we have very strong opinions. We don't yet know what each other's opinions are. Um, and just so everyone knows, there are, was it two chapters? Two additional chapters? It was one. It was one. It was one. Just okay. one. So there is an additional chapter <clears throat> that we did all read. So we can have some opinions as far as information that was revealed in that. So I am not going to start the conversation. Um, I'm very excited about having other people share our thoughts that I can then talk about. I'll start. Let's talk about the most normal thing in the book, <laughs> which is the premise of one author filling in for another author. What do you guys think about that? I find that really fascinating. It's interesting. I mean, we, we've seen it a few times before, haven't we? Think about, for example, Stig Larsson, um, the person who wrote... Uh, the direct girl of the dragon tattoo. Oh, dragon tattoo. He, he passed away, so somebody else had to finish that series. So we've seen it a few times before, and I mean, it's it can be hit and miss, can't it? Really, because you've got to make sure you get the the person, like the right person, who can not necessarily completely mimic the author, but who has a similar style and who can really do the series justice. Yeah, I thought it was really fascinating the way they kind of like brought her into that and had her like come mm -hmm. in and start going to her office and, and learn stuff. Like I thought that was just a really interesting premise for a story in general before yeah. you throw in all the crazy business. Definitely. I would 100% agree. I loved the premise of the story um, because especially as the person who's coming in, that's a lot of pressure. That is a lot of stress. And, you know... And I, I, I wouldn't even know where to start with doing something like that. So being able to then be brought into that author's office and be able to go through their notes and their computers. And I think it's really kind of hard and scary and overwhelming. And I think that, that's why I, I love the plot. I love the, the concept of the plot, like of that piece. And, and there's so much potential there for things to happen, which stuff happened as a result of her living in this house, trying to get into the headspace of another author. Yeah, and I mean, I'm guessing that a lot of authors wouldn't have the same chances as her, for example, if you're taking over a series, I highly doubt it's normal for you to be able to rummage through 10, 15 years worth of notes from the previous author and all of kind of the, the belongings. So if anything, that kind of gave her a head start and really allowed her a chance to get into the mind space and into the head space of, of Verity, um, which I thought was really interesting and in how we kind of saw her day by day going through trying to come up with a system to sort through all of the notes all of the paperwork to really understand okay this is where where she was where do we go from here i did like the fact that her whole series was written from the point of view of a villain 
I quite like that because yeah, that's, that, a fun, that's a fun piece of it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen enough. <laughs> I love the yeah, I love the 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 kind of bad guy protagonist. So that was one thing that kind of that definitely appealed. And I would have loved to have like read a few little excerpts from previous books, perhaps. I think that would have been quite good. Oh, that would have been a good touch. Uh, so here, I I didn't like her. I didn't like Lowen or surprise. I know you guys are probably all stunned and surprised <laughs> that I say that I didn't like her. Um, I didn't like any of them. Yes, yeah, yes, I, I, I didn't, didn't like either. Yeah, <laughs> and I just want to say she's been writing since 2011, so I have been reading her stuff for like 15 years, and this book is the only book like this that she's ever, ever, mm -hmm. ever written. It's always like chiclet romance is her genre. And so this was her stepping out, which she did a fabulous job as far as jumping out of her genre. And it did really well. But so this is her only thriller then? Yeah, she's yeah. never written anything even close to this book. So I had been reading her stuff for years and years, and she was just mediocre and then just took off recently this, what, last yeah. year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, she's just been on fire. But um, I've always thought she was a great writer, but this was her special project. So she doesn't normally write this this way, and she did a phenomenal job. I do agree with Holly, though. Um, I didn't like, and Jen, I didn't like any of the characters. I think none of them were relatable. I did like even one. Kids, got, even I mean, kids, I'm just like, okay, crew, even the kids it's that just aren't like even annoying. Crew gone just... yet. Like, oh, no yeah, Cruz Cruise is going to be, okay, that's, <laughs> we're going to end up all over the place. So I hope nobody wants to hear anything that is a linear conversation because we're going to be all over the place. Because oh, yeah. I only liked one character. The only character I liked was Verity. Um, yeah. Okay. And... You just like the person who was comatose the whole time. <laughs> that That's says why. something. But and we will never know. Yeah. But the thing about we Lowen that I... We don't know anything I... about her. Well, <laughs> you, you, you can tell a lot about a person who fakes a coma for, for months to kidnap <laughs> their kid from their father because... Whatever. It, I, I don't know. She's the only one I remotely liked because I thought she was interesting because she wanted to fake her coma forever. But I also found, and I think I liked her because I found her creepy. Because. The, uh, yeah. like the, she was very creepy. She was creepy. She I mean, the scene where Lowen turns and the stairs are there because, you know, she's making out with. Oh, you yeah, know, that was a creepy scene. Yeah, that was a creepy scene because it's like. She, she couldn't figure out if, like, she was, like. Because it was following when she was in her wheelchair out on the, the porch and, you know, mm. Lowen looked through the window and Verity was, like, looking at her through the window. And then, like, just a short while later, she's sit standing at the top of the stairs. Yeah. And so there's, like, these little moments. And, and that stuff I like because that was kind of creepy. But what I didn't like about Lowen was <clears throat> I, I get the fact that she was created in a way that made her kind of desperate to take this position because who in the right mind would take a position when you're not a known author, you haven't really made a name for yourself, and now all of a sudden they're agreeing to like a half a million dollar contract for for you to finish this book. I'm sorry, there's red flags there for me. Um, and then to go live in this house with this like gorgeous guy who like takes his own <laughs> shirt off his back as superhero. 
and um, and then she gets to this house and then she becomes so consumed with Jeremy and with Verity and with their life and I'm like you would have been out of this house in like three days if you just didn't like become this just like focused on the task at hand. Yeah, like you become this teenage obsessed person, you know, whatever. It's just she oh, drove she was me crazy. Like deep down, she was a teenager because all she really cared about in the end was sex. She was so <laughs> hormone driven in the end, and the whole like first of all, the fact that she seduced a married man. Um, I'm sorry, Verity's was not dead. Wife's upstairs? Exactly, Verity wasn't dead. Verity was still there. Yeah. And he was, yeah, she was clearly trying to get that. The creepiest, the most, like, thing, like, creepiest thing that I just was like, ugh, why would you do that? Was the bite mark. <gasps> oh, I know that she bit over the bite mark. I was yeah. so unsettled. No! So unsettled. No, why? I was not marking your territory. <laughs> yeah. Like, get rid of that. It was so wrong. Or just move. Yes. Oh. I'd be like, God. we can't do it this way. Sorry. It's like she's trying to compete with a comatose woman. It's like, yeah. how low can you get? Yeah. Yeah. And she believed all the power of the words. Mm-hmm. She did. Because you start to wonder, who do I believe anymore? Except for the new chapters. Because then you're like, oh, no, we're really in trouble. Yeah, I think if, if I was in that position, if I had read, started reading that diary, I would have started asking the husband questions mm-hmm. to try oh. and find out whether it's true. Like, not necessarily straight away gone, oh, so did your wife kill your, your daughter? <laughs> you would ask, like, little kind of delving <laughs> questions, like some little fact-checking. Um, I know she kind of did at the beginning with the first date, but after that, he did. She didn't. She just took everything at face value. When she knows that people can easily make stuff up in in fiction and in writing. Um, as soon as as soon as he went after the woman on the beach, I was out of there. I was like, okay, everybody just she, she needs to collect herself and get that child and drive off. I wouldn't even, I would take, she should take her own child. That's what I'm but, saying. Get yeah. the baby and drive off. Because the rest of them, including Cruz, they're all psychopaths. Oh all my gosh. When that them. child oh, took the yeah, other child outside, I was beside myself. I almost couldn't keep reading. I was like, this is so, this is off the track. <laughs> Who needs therapy? Who needs so much therapy? Because if that child can take that child outside like that, oh my gosh. I it, like... And it's funny because, like, I, I I thought Cruz was, like, you know, a poor, you know, he suffered all this trauma, his mom's in a coma, but then apparently Cruz, like, but I talked to mom. Mom, what? And yeah. then, you know, but the trauma of, of, his, of his sisters and, and all this stuff, I'm like, oh, the poor kid, he's been through so much. And I'm like, nope, he's just like his parents. I think both yeah, of his parents yeah. are screwed up. The knife. He never had a chance, though. He didn't. He didn't have a chance. What was he doing with the knife? Which time? <laughs> <laughs> the it time he shoved when... it in his mouth? <laughs> oh, that was just... That was wrong. So wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, the whole, the whole thing is bonkers. And he, like, he brings that creepy little kid element into the book that you really just don't expect because that's yeah. not what it's about at all. 
but he really takes it up another level. Yeah. He, he's a good kind of like he he definitely adds to the creep because if he wasn't there, she wouldn't have some of those interactions with Verity that yeah. are caused because of his actions. Like him saying uh, like him looking up and waving at the window and her then looking up and seeing the curtain move. Uh you know, the the knife situation in the room. The, my mom said um the drawings like, and... yeah like he's almost a mediator to kind of yeah. like enhance the the doubt and the questioning that she, like that she's under and at, the longer she's there the more crazy she thinks she's becoming too um and you just it is you go through a lot of like what's the truth and i i do appreciate that piece of the writing for colleen hoover she did do a great job of creating an environment where you just don't know what the truth mm. is. <clears throat> In a lot of ways, it's really like a almost like a dark gothic romance, which is not yeah. what you would expect at all. But it's got like the creepy house setting. It's like you know, like the wife upstairs, <clears throat> kind of like Rebecca kind of theme. You know, there's a lot of like, is this house slowly driving me mad? Yeah, the house was it's, in the middle of nowhere, like on the moor, exactly, yeah. wandering mm -hmm. by the rickety dock, <laughs> <laughs> which they then tear up the dock. Like, that's weird too. But not to replace it, just to just not yeah. have it anymore. Yeah, mm -mm. No, that's hiding evidence. Maybe. Because I mean, at the end, you still don't this. really know was Verity a good person or a bad person? Exactly. If she faked the diary, what means what's to say she didn't fake the letter? And that and I think that's that's kind of like what I was saying that Colin Hoover did a yeah. great job because she was a very complicated character. Yes, because you have the diary oh, yeah. and you're assuming this diary is is truth just like Lowen does as she's going through. Oh yeah. And then you see the letter but then you kind of know a little bit about the characters by the time you read the letter so was she did she write that like right before the end when she knew what was happening so so that verity exactly, would yeah. find it you know like you know it, it's it's really it is it's really weird like do you believe the diary or do you believe the letter i think it was really interesting well, that Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It was really interesting how the twist literally came right at the end. We're talking the last chapter before the bonus one. I thought that was really interesting. They left it right to the because you knew you knew that there was a twist coming. You're just thinking, okay, something has hap has got to happen here. It feel you can just feel it building up, mm -hmm. and then we finally got it right at that last that last kind of chapter. Um. But I think that I, I appreciate the waiting, but I thought it sucked that we waited so long for it to happen, and mm -hmm. then it was over yeah. two pages. Like, yeah. I think we could, it could have been so a little bit anticlimactic. Have more time to kind of because, like, it it ended straight after that, so it didn't yeah. have time for it to sink in to really absorb what she's trying to say, and think. Okay, but she only had two she, pages to say anything. Like, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm awake. I'm sorry. Oh, here, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Done. It's like, yeah. I, I would have loved for that climatic moment to be more than two yeah. pages or whatever it was. It just, we spent so much time getting there, and I'm like, this is so dumb. <laughs> it was a pretty sudden I think that if you... 
if she had had a chance to speak her piece, you lose all the mystery. And then we wouldn't be having this conversation. I, but I wish there had been more of a fight. Mm. Like, not necessarily more conversation, but more of just more interaction, more of a fight, more of a, you know, opportunity to, to, I don't know. I just, I just feel like there was something missing, but I agree. I, I don't, I wouldn't have wanted any more of her story. Also, surely the nurses had their suspicions because they're the ones that spent the most time with her. And at some point she must have twitched or something. I don't believe that there was no movement whatsoever and no, and also nurses know when people are in comas, they have that experience. So I think the nurses, especially April, because April was very against, um, obviously against Lowen. So I think that April mm-hmm. knew. I bet that they did know. I bet that they were like allies and trying to figure out a way yeah. to get her out, kind of, you know? Because I always wonder when reading it like why didn't she reach out to Lowen? like why wasn't why didn't she take the opportunity to be like hey like help me get out of here this is the situation like stranger coming in who doesn't know any better um but she she never did and so i think that she had to have the nurses had to have known yeah she needed somebody she couldn't just like lay there and do nothing forever like Liz is totally right. Somebody's going to notice. So you got to get people on your yeah. side. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, because after all... But maybe it didn't she thought take... there was already a relationship with her. That's what I was thinking. So, I mean, it didn't take long for them to sleep together. What it, was it? Maybe a, a week, if that? So I think once she knew about that, she was like, I can't I can't tell Lowen because Lowen will just go to Jeremy, will just go to the husband. So she knew that mm-hmm. that wouldn't be her ally. And also because she knew that he picked her and she didn't pick her so he she probably thought okay there's probably a reason why she was picked i'm gonna change the topic completely the (laughs) completely uh the first couple pages of the book the (laughs) the accidents Oh, that was such a good start like i read that and i'm like oh my god this is gonna be such a great book this you know it was very graphic with this guy getting run over by a bus. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a very interesting way to start. Like she could have started that book in any type of way to give Lowen some type of bad experience, but that was a pretty, there's not much more dramatic or traumatic that a character could experience yeah. on the way to a job interview than that. So why go to the the furthest end of the spectrum for an incident on page one? Why why start there? I think it's just a shock factor. It was to drive you in straight away and put you in the moment moment right there and then, and get you get you focused on her. Because nothing does that like as good as something sudden and shocking and brutal. And I think it kind of speaks to Liz's point earlier, too, that, like, this book is going to be totally different than anything you've read from Colleen Hoover, and we're going to start like that from the very beginning and just come at you with the trauma and the craziness and just, like, make it very clear this is going to be a whole new experience for you. Definitely. 
and I found it, I just, and I think it said a lot of, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is where I started with my, I don't know how I feel about Lowen. I mean, everybody reacts to trauma differently, but I just felt like her whole reaction to the whole thing was weird because even when she had that encounter with Jeremy and he's taking care of her or whatever, she's, you can already tell that she's beginning to kind of lust after him. And it was just, you just saw a guy's head get popped by a bus. And now you're like, oh my God, this guy is like, uh, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. I just, people react to horror and tend to, to get like <laughs> yeah. horrific situations in different ways, I guess. Other I'm just going to talk about grow up and trauma. <laughs> <laughs> You're it's so much like nicer than me. That's true. Yeah. And also, I mean, she did just watch her mother die, so she's she's seen death very recently. I mean, if you have to focus on like mental images of guys head exploding or hot guy in front of you helping you get better, like I'm gonna pick that one too. <laughs> it's a good destruction. Yeah, it's a good destruction. <laughs> Okay, fine, I get it. But okay, how about Jeremy? What do people think? What what do you think about Jeremy? Because he killed people very easily. He didn't seem yeah, to have really to think about me. it. So yeah, it, it made me not believe a single thing about him. Not a single yeah. thing. Like everything I thought of him was wiped out at that moment when he just went and got rid of that person. Exactly. It makes you think, was he turned from the trauma of his children's death, or has he always been like this? It makes you wonder if the like letter that. was right. Yeah. You know? I, I think that at that bonus chapter, when he when he did what um, Jen was just talking about, I think it that's the moment you really question, was the memoir correct, or was the letter correct? Um, yeah. <clears throat> and it, for me... Jeremy was the one character from the very beginning that I felt uncomfortable with. I nothing about him ever made me like like him or feel comfortable around him. He just had this like yeah. aura and this presence. So where I'm reading and I'm like, oh my gosh, the memoir, like Verity, like holy crap. There were still so many things about Jeremy that I'm like, he's he's not a good guy. I wasn't thinking that he was a murderer, that he was doing the things no. like, but he but, wasn't good. But he wasn't good, and I'm like, mm -hmm. it, it it's just like it's almost like, you know how people say opposites attract, and then the opposite of that is like calls to like, and I really feel that in this situation it was a like call to like, and Verity <laughs> and Jeremy Jeremy are both really really screwed up people and they created Cruz who is going to be a really screwed up <laughs> yeah. adult because he's clearly a very <laughs> screwed up child yeah no 100% I mean the fact that he, he rarely went into Verity's room and I mean okay if you can't if you truly believe that your wife killed your children then don't have her in the house. Put her in a facility like they were discussing. If you're not going to go, but if you love her, go in and look after her. 
Well, then do you think but because he like, didn't put her in a house, do you think maybe he doubted and he was questioned whether or not for sure she was in a coma? Like, do you think maybe there was some underlining mm-hmm. doubt there and he wanted her there? Because he would be like, it's Cruz, it's for Cruz, it's for Cruz. But do you think oh. that maybe he had some suspicion that, like, maybe he mm-hmm. saw something that made him think, or I need to keep her closer? Alternatively, maybe he was worried that if she got better suddenly, if she woke up from the coma, she would tell people about the fact that he choked her because he choked her before, obviously, the car crash. And obviously the whole, supposedly, she was tied up and put in the driver's seat afterwards. So she'd be able to tell the truth about the accident if she were to wake up and he wasn't there. So perhaps that's why he had to make sure that he was, she was in the house with him. Yeah, it's assuming that he was the one behind the car accident. If uh, that was if you believe the letter. <laughs> yeah, that's if you believe the letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. I think it would have been quite good to have like a chapter of Verity's voice. Because the fact she was faking the, the coma, it would have been nice to kind of get a bit more of her voice. You mean the real because... story? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> would have been nice to kind of grasp a bit more about her. Because we only know we only had her voice in the letter. Um, no, she spoke like, like two sentences before know. she got smothered. Okay, we had two sentences. <laughs> yeah, I think it was all but... him. I think it was all him, and he planned everything from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Reading it the second time, he even like it was all him. Interesting. So when you and he was so was weird about him. the sex too. I like when. Like, they finally get together, remember? And he said, oh, I want this, and I've thought about that. And then later, they're, it's so mediocre. And then, you know, he acts a certain way after he got rid of the person at the beach. And it, it was just like, he was, that that was, for me, all over the place. And I was so disturbed she was comparing herself to her or their sex life. That, that, that is, that was so disturbing for me. I was like, man, this girl just won't let this go. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, I don't know, what, what's she looking for? Violence? Like, what? I, yeah. I, I mean, it, it was crazy. I mean, and I feel like that's she... why she stayed. <laughs> but we right? also don't even know if the manuscript description of their sex life was true. Exactly. Because if she was exactly. the opposite, then... Yeah, the and then he was different all the time. Yeah, but Verity did Except leave teeth have, marks on the headboard. Yeah, yeah. 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 That is one marks. thing. <laughs> okay, but it's interesting the fact that the sex got more active, let's say, um, after he he cut after he murdered, which means that clearly he was turned on by that. Clearly, that's a very yeah. big psychopathic behavior. They both, which were. means so it makes you think. Because she's like, good. well, finally, right? Yeah, exactly. Even so, though he's hurting her, like, um, I forgot exactly what Holly said, but the whole thing was disturbing, and there just is nobody to like in this story. The whole thing is bad. But I, and yeah. I, but I, I, I think, and that's why we don't have a clear answer. That's the point of the story. It's the point of the story is just one of the stories where it's like there is no definitive answer. And it's up to us to, to decide who who are we going to believe? Are we going to believe the memoir? Are we going to believe the letter? You know, is Verity the you know psychopath or is Jeremy the psychopath? Or they're all psychopaths. 
It's the whole unreliable narrator, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then Lowen is so class. immature and naive and and young, and sh she has no. And again, she's been isolated for six months, taking care of her mom. The only relationship, and you got to think about the relationship she had with her editor was only based on sex. It wasn't a yeah. relationships; it was sex. And then she goes into this house, and then it becomes this thing, and it's almost sexual obsession with Jeremy. And again, it just it, it again becomes this sexual thing, um, that you know, well, you, you, and it, and it ended with a child. Sorry, that's kind of how nature works and here and then here she is you know you know whether she thinks she's in love with him because of the 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 physical piece the connection she now feels she has because she has his child um but i agree with like with with jen like the moment that it happened on the beach well and you were saying about her getting pregnant too what was this whole thing about the birth control that seemed to be completely um irresponsible for her uh -huh. and that kept getting brought up and then she'd have sex with him again and i'm like you are just losing it yeah she was so Maybe young and like obsessed yeah. and just like i don't Maybe know she knew that there'd be a way to keep him by having his baby because of the fact uh -huh. that he dozed on his children and he she kind of wanted to be seen as as the carrier of his children and I thought, as soon as we knew that he was a murderer, I thought, she's dead. If they write another chapter, he's killing her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's getting and rid of her. He's getting rid of her because they have a baby. He, like, he's just going to be a single dad. And he killed Verity with no second thought. No qualms. Yeah, with his hand in her mouth. No, oh, it was crazy. No oh, even, crazy. like, hesitation. Like, as soon as yeah. it happened, he's like, she's dead. And it's just like, but that's what happened with all the murders he he did. There was no there was no second thought. It was mm -hmm. just straight away, very much psychopath um, behavior. Yeah. No, yeah, no reaction. No kind of oh, just a, a, we might get found out. They might say something. I need to kill her. And then Lowen going along with it, being like, yeah, this is the only what? I know what like, and 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 that comes back to you if you look at the manuscript. So say you believe the manuscript and she's obsessed like verity it's very clear in the manuscript that um verity just is so obsessed that she literally would die without him because everything mm -hmm. like she hates her kids because of her obsession with jeremy like all of this stuff but then it's no different than with lowen lowen is so obsessed with him that she's gonna go along with murder because yeah. she has to have him and then like you said with the with having his baby like She's going to have his baby. I think she approached the child piece a little differently than Verity did based on the manuscript. Because she adores right. the child. Right. She loves the child. But she's still just as obsessed with Jeremy. So it's almost like what Jeremy's a horrible human being because obviously there's some way he is manipulating like how he treats them and what he's doing and how he be late, behaves. He's like manipulating these women. It's I hate them all. Yeah. <laughs> it's all it's and, just all crazy. I mean, Lowen could be man manipulating him as much as he's manipulating her. Explain. Well, because she, as you say, she was perfectly fine with 
the killing of Verity and then the death of the the friend. So perhaps he she is also manipulating him. Perhaps she is obviously by having like by having his child by making sure that she gets pregnant because she knows that he wants children. He loves his children. He's manipulate. She's manipulating him in the sense that rate building up a family again and almost replicating what he had before mm. with all the children and, and the happy like the happy family and then she's he's obviously manipulating her by making out that this is all okay <laughs> <laughs> that there's nothing wrong here that it's all fine and that everything is happening for a reason and it's all meant to be that's an interesting thought because you, you do think about where she's coming from. She's being evicted from her apartment. Her mother just died. She's not in a relationship. She mm-hmm. has nothing. She just Then she finds out that she's not going to be able to get the apartment. Like Her life is crumbling, but going and manipulating a permanent relationship with Jeremy, well, unless he kills her down the road, Guar- until her until she's murdered it kind of guarantees her a comfortable life a com- like she's going to have kids she's going to have a nice home she's going to have money yeah. she's going to have all the things exactly. she hadn't had so that's an interesting approach that they're actually manipulating each other because they're all psychopaths um but they you know found each other so now they can just manipulate each other they can just have oh, their yeah. own, own little psychopath bubble <laughs> and raise little baby psychopaths <laughs> But I'm like, I would have loved to have known more about, like, Cruz is an interesting character. And I I know he's only like five and six in the book. But at five and six, that's your approach to your baby sister. Um, Yeah, that is dark. But then, like, also at the beach, like, he's super proud of her. He's right. This is my sister. Like, like she specifically says he's, like, proud and excited to introduce his sister. And so, like, like, is that his emotional, like, up and down craziness? Or, like, are you a normal five-year-old who's irritated by a crying baby? And then you do something stupid, like put the baby outside. Instead of just close the door? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, right. No, exactly. their logic. <laughs> no child does that. Yeah, but then yeah. like also when when they're at the what was at the dinner table and he's like, oh she's just gonna die and you're like, yeah, you're blaming it? it like what's going on? <laughs> it, it, yeah. Oh. Also, he, he's got some serious sass. Like when she, when he was drinking the Capri Sun and the hers and she was like, oh you like Capri Suns? She was, he, he was like, well that's the only drink you buy that you buy uh, you and my dad buy. Mm-hmm. Like, Wow. Yeah. He's plucky that one. Yeah. And you know, and then you gotta wonder like how much of it does come from trauma of his two sisters dying. One of them he was with when she died. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of trauma there. But also as a parent, you know, Jeremy said that they had him in in, in counseling, but then they took him out. Your five year old witnessed his sister dying you're going to take him out of counseling when it's clear that there's still things going on, especially if, if he thinks that his mother is awake and talking and moving. Exactly. And Maybe like, someone was saying too much. 
But I'm yeah, saying too much about the death of the child. Worried about getting found out. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, how much do these people really know about the situation? Like, did Jeremy suspect or know that Verity wasn't 100% in a coma and he just didn't make a decision because he about killing her earlier because he wasn't 100% sure? You know, how much did April know as the nurse? I agree. The whole time, I'm like, there is no way in this world that the medical profession would not know that she is yeah. not in a coma. Exactly. Like, also, that... if you had any doubt... Wouldn't you just, like, I don't know, stab them with a pin or something to get them to react? <laughs> yes! Because even though she you didn't react to anything horrible, if you, like, punched her in the face or, like you said, exactly. pr- prick her with a pin. Like, I'm sorry. Like, there's she in- tested it by throwing a ball across the room. Oh, yeah. So, so nobody's going to, like, not help me. Like, you're going to flinch for that. No, you're not necessarily. You need to do a proper test and not just throwing a ball across the room. Yeah. Or like, you know, tickle their nose and see what happens. You know? Just, <laughs> just shove something up the nose. <laughs> exactly. Give them a COVID <laughs> test. See what happens when they get it, when they get a COVID test. Yeah, when you <laughs> <laughs> But it, And that's the thing, like, there, there's so many pieces to that whole situation that I'm like, and I get it. It's fiction. There's a suspension of disbelief you have to have going into it. But there is a limit to that. I'm like, there is, again, no way that nobody would know she wasn't in a, and especially April. Yeah. Like, that is my biggest. Exactly. April knew. Biggest April thing. Like, definitely knew. And, she and, had to. She was so protective. Yeah. And she exactly. hated Lowen and she would like, yeah. yeah, she had to have known. But it was so just... I think ultimately, what do you, so if you hadn't read the extra chapter, right? Like if you're just one of the people who got to read it the first time it came out, yeah. Before she did the the you know exclusive edition or whatever, like would you have been team manuscript or team letter? I I I'll go first because I have a complicated answer. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) I I would be team manuscript. However, I still think Jeremy is a psychopath. I don't know. I would have, I think I would have believed the manuscript because when I read the piece about the letter, I really felt that she was doing that because she knew that they were on to her and that it was going to be found out and she was trying to do something to kind of cover the situation up. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe pieces of the letter and I, I do believe that she was going to take him in the night and I liked Cruz. And I do believe that, yeah. you know, she was going to do that and that she wasn't going to like that. She wouldn't have hurt Cruz. I, so I, I believe certain pieces of the letter, but I believe in her obsession with Jeremy and the things that she, like, I believe the manuscript, yeah. but I think that Jeremy is a sociopath and I think that he may have manipulated more than anyone is aware as far as what ended up going into the manuscript. So I think he influenced her be her actions. So it's a very, but I, I would believe more of the manuscript than the letter, but there are pieces of the letter. I do believe. Yeah. No, I agree. I I was like very much manuscripts, but 
I think the yeah, I think the parts the parts of it has been um, exaggerated somewhat. I mean, the whole canoe scene. I almost kind of thought perhaps the letter is true because either way, she would have told him to hold his breath. I mean, we know that. Mm-hmm. And the connection which Crew has with his mother, it's quite close. It's not like what we saw with Harper, where Harper and the mother were very much distant. So, and I don't know. I think she, I think she did have some kind of connection with the other children. Just because, I don't know. It, just, it felt like, like Holly said, it felt like it was mostly the manuscript, manuscript, but there were some details of the letter which I did believe. Um, yeah, I would have believed that too. Yeah. So, because, Steph, are you yeah, saying clearly, that you were, um, Steph, are you more manuscript then? Oh, yeah, I'm I'm all in on the manuscript. Um, I think I'm in my quest to find the answers. I think that <laughs> I do think that she wrote the letter because she I think she she knew that Lowen had the manuscript, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she done enough because I wonder like how much observation did she do that Lowen didn't catch her doing? Right? There were a lot of times that Lowen turned around and was like, oh, you're there. Exactly. But like, what about the time she didn't notice? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that she knew Lowen had the manuscript. I think she saw the writing on the wall there, and that's why she wrote the letter. But there's also a part of me that's like, okay, whoever drove her into the tree, whether she drove herself into the tree or Jeremy drove her into the tree, she's still <laughs> recovering from that situation. She still has a lot of time in her own head. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah maybe she does feel some remorse or maybe she like does have that connection with crew that she realizes now that she's missed out with on other kids like i guess part of me was trying to humanize her a little bit with like maybe she used that coma for some self-reflection like, <laughs> you know like maybe she's I mean, trying to not be so was, crazy the fact that she was going to take crew away from the house means that she had she did have a level of maternal instinct Otherwise, she would have planned to run away just by herself. But here's the thing. And crew was part of her. But is is the maternal instinct to crews different than it was with the two girls? Because they were girls and she felt that jealousy towards Jeremy's love. Even though it was just a father-daughter love, they were still girls who were taking attention away. Where Cruz is a boy. So the love, like there's just, there's different feelings there between those um but jen what are, are you said that your manuscript do you believe the manuscript more than the letter i do but i feel like she did have a problem with the daughters just like you said and it was very unhealthy again it went back to the sexual relationship which was crazy like any of us who have kids we're just like okay you need to come up with some other kind of example <laughs> um because that's not you know gonna happen but I didn't like her either. I mean, I just didn't like her. And I think they were both psycho. Well, three of them were psycho. <laughs> I mean. I do have another question. Do you think, um, because they were twin girls, um, but Harper, I believe it was Harper, was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Yeah, do you crazy. think having... Mm-hmm one of their children being a special needs child 
impacted how Verity or even Jeremy like Jeremy loved his kids no doubt he accepted them for how they were in his own weird sick way but do you think it <laughs> impacted Verity's perception of them I don't think so because they talk about Harper getting diagnosed when she's three mm-hmm. and she hated Harper from the beginning because she had that dream yeah so I think, yeah. if anything, I think it cemented her idea that she was right. Right? That, like, one child is worth her time and one isn't. But I think she had made the decision to not love Harper years before they found out that she was going to potentially develop differently than her sister. Or did she add in that bit about the dream after the, all of this happens? Right. Because, again, <laughs> what can we believe? It was printed, so she could have edited it as much yeah. as she wanted to be. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So, so if you just question. think about it for a long time, you get more and more confused. <laughs> you do. Absolutely. It never stops. But, but hey, so then, then here's the thing. Is that a sign of a good book? Oh, 100%. Because yeah, I think isn't that as an job. author what you want? Excellent job. Yeah, they the authors, mm-hmm. you know, especially on a book like this that ends yeah. so unclear. The goal is to make people talk. The goal is to make people debate. The goal is to make you continue okay. thinking. So in that case, Colleen Hoover did a spectacular job. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so evocative. Yeah. So definitely. And this book is really controversial. Like a lot of her, like more like diehard regular fans don't like it because it's so different. A lot of people are like, this is complete garbage like nobody's likable you know so it is it is definitely up for debate like very rigorous debate and i I read another book i read i read another Mm -hmm. book that is written the very same way by an author that's very unknown and they were compared that they stole from each other i don't know if anyone read anything about that no and i read both books Mm -hmm. and it was a ghostwriter and somebody um it wasn't as creepy at the end, but again, uh, they were kind of going after each other or people were going after both of them about stealing. Um, and it wasn't exactly the same thing. I've read several things that are similar and I don't like it when people go after people saying you can't write about that topic mm-hmm. when anybody okay, so, can write about anything. So I'm, but curious. I'm trying I'm to remember the name of the book. I read it. I, I listened to it on audio. And somebody had said that they had stolen it from her or um, I'm trying to, I should have done some research. I have been so out of it. Um, so I'm curious, obviously me and Holly have only read this one by Coho. Um, and I believe, I know Jen's read a lot and Steph, I don't know, have you read any others by? No, this is the only one. Okay, so this is for Jen then. What kind of romance novels does she usually do is it quite dramatic is it dramatic or is it quite fluffy romance what kind of style is she usually fluffy romance really yes but but aren't there a lot of like tough topics because i know like the 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 popular ones were like it it ends with us and it starts with us or whatever and i've heard a lot about like those are like full of uh, like domestic abuse Mm -hmm. and all sorts of like stuff so is it still written even with that tough topic? Like, is it still like a fluffy, fun, like 
almost like um well you know this was so she's been writing since 2011 so you know back then even the style was different than it is now i think we all these authors are writing real intense Mm -hmm. things where you're grabbed you know within the first 20 pages it used to be you could kind of develop a story and have um have stuff but yeah the ones that really got noticed were the ones that have these terrible things happen. Like the first one I think I read of hers were these twin girls and the guy ends up being with both of them and the twins know, but he doesn't know. And it wasn't very deep and it was kind of fluffy and he ends up with one of them. And um, I can't even remember it, but that's when she was <laughs> very first starting out. Um, and you won't even be able to get into it because I've had friends now that are going back and trying to read all of her works and she just wasn't developed then like she is now. Yeah. It's like she's found herself. Um, I'm surprised that she hasn't written more of this style, considering I'm guessing Verity has done pretty well, because we're always seeing it in a lot of the the charts. So I'm quite surprised that she's yeah. never thought to dabble back in. She in did write like something it. creepy with... Um, there's another Karen author. Huh? Oh, is that that new one, Too Late? Yeah. That, yeah, she and Karen exactly Fisher collaborate. Yes, they mm-hmm. um, okay. collaborated. Okay. This book so, is dedicated to Karen Fisher. Ah. Isn't it? Okay, so yes, it I is. think we've pretty That's much interesting. kind of exhausted, like, exhausted a lot of the topics. So I think we should summarize... And Holly, I know this might be difficult, <laughs> but I think we should summarize what we think of the book overall. So I'll go I'm last. Start... <laughs> okay. In that case, I'm going to go by my little square that I'm looking at. So I'm going to go Jen first. Jen, what are your overall views of the book? Um, I thought she did an excellent job. Um, creepy. Um, after reading that last chapter, I, I was, I felt bad. I was, un, it was disturbing. I kept thinking, you know, what would I do? Like, I was in fear of her life after reading that last chapter. And um, overall, I loved it, even though, you know, it had no romance in it at all. And I think it was a perfect October book. Um, creepy, creepy, creepy. Mm-hmm. with question after question but i would have given it a five she did a great job steph oh i think it's fantastic when i read it for the first time last year um i was on vacation read it in less than 24 hours loved it five stars this is one of the craziest things i've ever read and then going back into it now same experience i read it like stayed up reading most of it finished it the next morning and it still i think holds up i think it's a fantastic thriller yeah i think there are pieces of it that like maybe weren't necessary but like overall it constantly leaves you guessing there's so much to talk about the pacing is fantastic we all read it really fast mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like i think she has done a marvelous job with it Still five stars. Hope she writes another one. I guess if Holly's getting lost, me, me then. <laughs> um, 
I I agree with a lot of what Steph said. So I think it was a good read. I enjoyed it. Um, the pacing, yeah, the pacing was really good because it was never, like, it never slowed down. It was just constant. It was the sort of thing that was, even though it was a thriller, it was quite an easy read. Um, so it's quite easy to get through. It was difficult because of the fact that you couldn't relate to any of the characters. Um, because of the fact I didn't like any of the characters, that made it a bit harder. But, I mean, I've had that in a few other books before. So I wouldn't say I loved it, but I enjoyed it. It was still, it was a good thriller. And yeah, completely, it was a good, um, it was a really good book for October. Um, I thought it was a really clever concept, really clever kind of foundation, um, really good main plot line. I feel like I could have done with a bit more, like sort of more information and a bit more kind of necessarily padding, but just I wanted a bit more from the book. But yeah, overall, I think, I guess I'd probably say, probably a four star, to be honest. Because yeah, as I said, I, I really enjoyed it, but I wouldn't say go as far as I, as I loved it. So that just leaves Holly, which she's got that face on that she's about to completely say something different to any of us. <laughs> I loved the premise. I thought, like I said, there is a lot of potential, great storyline. I loved it. I loved the structure of the book with the chapters being broken up with the manuscript chapters because that helps me stay focused because I don't have a huge mm -hmm. reading attention span. So when it's like, that's why I like multiple points of view books and things like that. So having, actually being able to read the manuscript along with, with the low end, I, I really appreciate that. I... I could not get past my hate for Lowen. I struggled so much with her that it caused my whole impression of the book. I just, I definitely did not love it. I don't know how much I enjoyed it. I liked it. I thought it was interesting. It held my attention. I read the whole thing pretty quickly for it. And I didn't do it as an audio. I did it as uh, as a, I had it on Kindle. So, and for me to be able to get through, you know, a book I actually had to read quickly, like I did, says something about like the style of the writing, how she wrote it, things like that. But as far as the overall book, I there was just I, I don't I still can't put my finger on exactly what it was, but I I I just. I didn't like Lowen. I just thought how like, and her whole character just killed the book for me. Um, but it was creepy. I appreciated the creepy mm -hmm. moments. I appreciated Cruz's impact on the creepiness. And it was a great October read. And I'm glad I read it. But for me, it would probably be about a three, a three star. So there you have it. And after reading your first Coho, would you want to read another? Would you want to try some of her romance? No. So that's a no for Steph, really too. She's not a go-to for me. I don't read. I only read her popular yeah. stuff because everybody made me. <laughs> yeah, I think, because I, I didn't have said this before, but yeah, I feel that I don't see the hype. Look, I enjoyed the book, but I don't see what the Masakogo hype is. I don't know if that's because we chose the wrong, like we chose the wrong book from our series, but I don't see why she's monopolized so many lists for so long. 
Yeah, I think most fans would though. say it's because of the book we picked that it has it's nothing like everything yeah. else. I and just I think feel it's like because it's probably it's an easy read. They're easy reads, probably if they're as easy as this one. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's mass market kind of for everyone yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I feel like this is the only one like genre rise that I would yeah. want to read. Exactly. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that says a lot coming from Jen because you're like yeah she always reads she's romance. Like, exactly. I do, but she's not my romance person. That says something. Like Emily Henry, hands down. If I could only read one person's books for the rest of my life, it would be her books. Mm. That's that's big praise right there. Her and uh, Kristen Hanna. Um, oh, I've read everything God. by her. Um, Kristen Hanna's amazing. Um, the Great Alone is probably one of her best books. Um, I've read everything by her. So she much. writes really well. I haven't read any of hers, to be honest. But oh, I keep hearing about her. Will wreck you in the best way. Which, Which one? one? The Great Alone. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. I read that, was oh. sobbing at the end, and went back and reread the last hundred pages because I had to do it again. Oh, I cried and cried and cried and cried. I haven't read anything by her, but I do have, oh um, I have Firefly Lane. Is that good? Yeah. Hey, I've heard that one. That's the one that they turned into a TV show. I watched the That's, TV series. Yeah, and yeah, I heard the TV show wasn't very good. Now, it's not a good, that, I can't, I, I started that book. That's her early work, just like oh. everything else. <laughs> oh, okay. But no, the, TV, the TV series is cute because it's got um, Sarah Elliott, i.e., um, the girl from Scrubs, and also oh, it's yeah. got friggin' Izzy from Grey's Anatomy, so they work really well together. I thought, I thought it's just like a nice, cute series. Hmm. But all right, yeah. well, that's that's Verity for you. So definitely, what a fun conversation because we were all over the place. We all have kind of a different opinion of it. Um, but at the end of the day it made us all continue to question and debate and i mean there there's a lot to be said about that that leaves that exactly and we have finally we've finally read a coho after talking about her for like two two and a half half years years. (laughs) (laughs) so we finally did it we did it (laughs) that's right all right so now it is time for our fun speed round so i think liz this is in your your realm yep so obviously uh in the um sort of in the theme of verity we have gone for a verity themed this or that as always uh you guys know the rules by now after the many book clubs uh no explaining no discussing holly (laughs) just the answer okay so we're gonna go Jen, Steph, Holly, and then me. Uh, so yeah, are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. Right as the villain or right as the goody? Right as the villain. 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 Yeah, it's gonna be villain. Writing as a hobby or a career? Hobby. 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 That's going to get a career. I would love to do it uh, as a career, but I feel the pressure would be too much. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, getting paid. I know we're not meant to be talking about so getting paid to do what, like, what you love. Oh well, I want to do it as a hobby and get yeah. paid for it. <laughs> I just don't want the pressure of like, here's your contract, you got to produce. I want to be able to. I don't want to write it to. Okay, tacos or spaghetti? Say it again. Tacos or spaghetti? Mm, lately, spaghetti. Only one right answer. It's tacos. Tacos. And I'm coming, and I'm married into an Italian family, so that says something that I'm still spaghetti. going with tacos. I still have not learned my tacos yet, by the way. Hopefully, on payday. Still haven't. Uh, <laughs> trust or protection? Trust. 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 Yeah, trust. Real name or pen name? Say that again. Real name or pen name? Oh, uh, pen name. Pen name. I don't really care. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but pen name would be cool because then I could make up a cool name. Okay. And I'm going to get pen name as well. I just only just realized you answered the question just the way you said it. <laughs> I didn't realize. Um, live in the city or live in a rural area? A rural area. City. Um, <laughs> you know it's coming. I will live. <laughs> Sorry, Liz. I know I disappoint you every week or every every episode. Um, I would choose a rural area, but I need to be close to a city. <laughs> um, rural area. So you have a helicopter. <laughs> oh, that would be. I just need to be able to get to Starbucks when I want to go to Starbucks. <laughs> exactly. See. You don't need a city to have Starbucks. Yeah, but see, I grew up in a very, very rural Ohio, like, like middle of nowhere. Our closest neighbors were like a mile down the road. There was nothing. And so <laughs> I think about um, the like medical care, if there's an emergency and things like yeah. that, like that type of stuff freaks me out because I grew up and it's because we lived in the in the middle of nowhere we were surrounded by forest we got hurt all the freaking time because we were always outside falling out of trees there's this little cliff area that went down into a stream and i dumped my my sister i was pulling her in a wagon and the wagon wheels went off the, the little cliff area and i sent her rolling down the cliff into the stream and it, it's like all of those things worry me and scare me about living rural but i love See, I grew up in I los angeles we could touch buildings yes and that's so the thing yeah like i See, love I, the I idea grew up in a little town i am very much a small town girl yeah not living in a lonely world though yeah exactly <laughs> also can we just say like i'm loving uh steph's floating bookshelves they're so cool yeah that's pretty oh hey thanks guys <laughs> <laughs> I actually got some. I got some. I haven't put mine up yet. I got some for my wedding for as a wedding gift. So mm. I need to put mine up still. All right. Well, we went off uh, on a huge yeah, tangent. Yeah, there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I need to put them up. Um, 
Okay, we need to keep back to this. <laughs> Take over someone's writing or write individually. Uh, write individually. 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 Yeah, individually. Uh, fake an illness or death or face up to the consequences. Face the consequences. If I could get away with it, I'd fake it. That was my answer, one hundred percent. If I could, if yep, if I could, if I could, yeah, mm -hmm. I'd, if I could get away with it, I'd fake it. Yeah, I'd probably have to say the same, unfortunately. So that just shows that Jen is a much better human being than exactly. we are. Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> it just goes better that way. I think it's just because I'm so much older than you guys that I'm like, I, I know I can't pull even try. I don't have the energy to pull it off. <laughs> Let's just face what means, he's done. But if we're in Verity, that would mean that us three would be alive and you'd be dead. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, okay. Keep a journal or just keep memories in your head? Uh, memories in my head. Oh, it looks like memories. she's going to pull a holly. She might have some explanation to do. I mean, I love the concept of the journal, but it's a lot of work. My my first thought was memories on my phone reel. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's technically a type of journal. Right, so that. I picked journal, no context. Yeah, we have a oh. digital footprint, mm -hmm. don't we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so is that your answer? Yeah, journaling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Um, I would, I agree, journaling is a lot of work. Uh, but so I would probably just keep most of it in my head. I'd probably say keep a journal. Oh, sorry. A dog just appeared on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't just me randomly going, ah. Oh. Uh, finally, writer or editor? Uh Editor? Editor, for sure. Mm. I would pick writer. Yeah, I'd have to get writer. Well, look, so, Liz, yeah. we have our editors. Exactly, we've got our editors already Was that was that 10? Did it, did it really take us oh, that 10. long to get through 10? <laughs> That's probably our worst one yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Last month probably went a lot longer too. We, do, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our book discussion. Uh, it's always a lively, shenanigan-filled experience. Um. Uh, so that wraps up our book club discussion of Verity by Colleen Hoover. Um, Jen, can you tell everyone where we can find you on social media? I'm on Instagram at Kindles all the way down. Yay! Steph? Yay. On Instagram at Books, Cats, Tacos. Best name ever. Ever. Always best name ever. Cats <laughs> <laughs> spaghetti wouldn't have the same appeal. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring. It just doesn't have the same ring. Plus, it wouldn't be the same as the good image. Like, that's yeah. Yeah. You could put true. a taco on top of the cat and have like a little. We're taking this too far. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Um, where can I find you on social media? 
I am at azdesert underscore bookworm on Instagram. And then my website is just www.azbookworm.com. And Liz, what about you? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Lizzie's Little Booknook. And my website is www.lizzie'slittlebooknook.co.uk. Yay! All right. Well, we will be back in about a month. Our next episode is going to drop on November 20th. We are going to be joined by author Jess Smythe. I'm talking about her novel that's out right now and all the work that she's um, working on at the moment. So please come back and join us in November when we welcome author Jess Smythe. Until then, we hope that you have some great books on your TBR that you get through. And happy reading! Happy reading! Happy reading!